in today's gospel, we have an episode in which Jesus comes across as a scandal, or in Greek, a scandalon. It does not mean, as it means today, a bad example or revolting action. In the ancient world, scandal meant something that you stumbled over, something that trips you up, something that causes another to fall. The word was often applied to Jesus. In fact, Paul used it to describe the cross as a scandal. In word and action, Jesus became a scandalon to the norms of the prevailing culture of his time. In a culture that held prestige and position as paramount, Jesus' lowly background did not help. He was continually accused of causing people to stumble, to fall flat on their faces, to trip them up. Hans Kuhn, in his book on being a Christian, explains it this way, quote, Jesus had not played any of the expected roles. For those who supported law and order, he turned out to be the one who was always upsetting the apple cart. He disappointed the revolutionaries by his nonviolent love of peace. He offended the passive and the world-forsaking ascetics by his uninhibited worldliness. For the devout who adapted themselves to the world, he was too uncompromising. For the solid majority, he was too noisy. For the noisy majority, he was too quiet. He was too gentle for the strict and too strict for the gentle." Unquote. Why did Jesus allow his disciples to violate the Sabbath, especially when he had said that he did not come to reject the law but to fulfill it. Legalists everywhere, legalists in all times and in all places, not just in Judaism, but in Christianity as well, want to know. We seek certainty. The security of being right is so much better than dwelling in the shadows of moral ambiguity. In the religion that Jesus was raised, there were rigid guidelines for behavior that would tell people the right thing to do in almost any situation, great or small. And those who took their religion seriously wanted to conform their lives according to, to these prescriptions, avoiding the ever-present menace of sinning. But sometimes it was hard to figure out what was acceptable. For instance, could you eat an egg laid on the Sabbath? After all, it's right there in the reading from Deuteronomy this morning. The seventh day as a Sabbath to the Lord, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male or female slave or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock. And I guess that would include the chicken coop. If you wanted to take a walk, how far could you walk and not break the Sabbath? So the very pious came to the rescue. Strictness got melded with leniency. 
practicality came to be blended with moral principle, compromise and legal harmonization married, and in their train followed an entourage of regulations and precepts and exceptions. In this way, the law could be kept theoretically, but at a cost. The cost of turning what God intended to be a unique humanitarian gift of rest and a blessed time to be recreated into a ceaseless process of what Jesus called straining at the gnats. Story is told that during the reign of the Caliph Omar in the earliest years of Islam, a man was brought up for judgment for having stolen food. The Caliph asked him, why don't you work? Earn money for food rather than steal. Have you never heard, thou shalt not steal? I do work, the accused said, but still I do not have enough to feed my family. The Caliph verified the man's assertion and then sent a message to the man's employer telling the employer that he, the employer, would be punished if any of his employees were ever again caught stealing. That's a scandal on. Makes you think, though, about the predicament of the working poor in our time. Jesus brought doubt and confusion to those lost in the maze of rules and their exceptions that did not take human well-being into play. The ethics of Jesus are embedded in one authoritative reality, the holy lover who created nurture and rules history. All ethical behavior from the Christian perspective begins with this reality. To live by this reality, an early second century writer suggested that the followers of Jesus live by the four habits of life. They are faith, the mother of all virtues, living with a single-minded trust in God. Love derived from this faith to live in charity toward all constitute the heart of Christian action. And by this love, all would know the disciples be followers of Jesus. Humility was the result of faith and love. It means peaceableness, putting away anger and conceit. It means to live by God's grace in an atmosphere of forbearance. And lastly, personal purity it means living a clean and sober life in the spirit calls for us not to be ruled by any passion or addiction, enabling us to live in the presence of holiness and in the holiness of freedom. When we live this way, we will follow Jesus and we will be a scandal to our environment. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.